0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Cross Point Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode.
1: Um, You're welcome to do so, but I really want you just to listen with your heart and I want you to begin, let's begin reading in verse number one. Before we begin, let's bring one piece of background information into chapter number four that we brought into chapter number three and really at the beginning of the book is that the book of Romans is written at a time where Jewish Christians are beginning to reintegrate back into the Church of Rome. And so um, if you'll go and you look at history, there was a time in Rome where the Jewish Christians and Jews were were ran out of Rome for some uh, political reasons. But this is written at a time where they're being welcomed back. And so what you have is Paul is actually dealing with a lot of the tension that is coming from these Roman Christians welcoming back the Jewish Christians, and the Jewish Christians coming in and thinking like, well, we should be celebrated, we're, we're back in the church. And so he's writing it to the church of Rome, but he's also dealing with that subtle issue uh, in the background. And so Romans chapter number 4, is uh, important for, it's important for us to understand that as we read that. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. So let's just go ahead and lay a foundation here. In verse number two, he says this. He uses the example of Abraham, who the Jews would have very much elevated. They would have very much said, okay, Abraham's the father of our country. He he is one of our forefathers. We value him. We prioritize him. But he says this. He uses him as almost a case study. And he says, he says, if Abraham was saved by his works, Abraham would have gloried in himself. But that's not how he was saved. Let's continue reading. He says, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So Abraham's belief and his faith is what was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David describeth the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they, uh, blessed are they, whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. So let's, let's clarify that, okay? Because we come to that with a modern day thinking, obviously. Um, what he's saying is the Jews in Israel were some of the people, were the first people who were commanded by God to be circumcised. And so he's saying, is this work only for the Jewish people? Is this only for the children of Israel or does this also apply to the people who are not of the Jewish culture and Jewish, uh, Jewish uh, background? Let's skip down to verse number 13. It says, For the promise that, that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law... Worketh wrath, for there for where no law is, there is no transgression. So going back to the teaching of we need the law, we need the rules, we need, we need the understanding of that God is holy for us to even understand that we've messed up, okay? If you don't have a referee in basketball, do you know if you fouled? Okay? If you don't have a rule book in a basketball game, do you know if you fouled? Then it comes down to just a matter of opinion. Well, no, I didn't. didn't. And the law is there to show us that we have failed, that we are sinners, that there's no way that we can achieve God on our own. And so let's skip down to verse number 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him who believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to perform. And therefore... It was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it, was, that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. I want us to talk for the next couple of minutes about the faith of the gospel the faith of the gospel i almost titled it the faith required for the gospel the faith required for the gospel let's pray we'll ask the lord to bless us dear heavenly father god we thank you for the day that you've given us lord we thank you for your word lord i pray that you'd help us today to learn the faith that is required to accept you as our savior but lord also to live this christian life lord i pray that today's teaching would be applicable to where these young people and, Lord, many others are at in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take the truth of this passage and live it in our lives. Lord, may our faith be increased today. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of you, um, you've ever walked into maybe a Christian bookstore or, I mean, nowadays, if you walk even into Hobby Lobby, all right, uh, you see these signs that say faith on them, all right, like in big, bold letters and... Um, faith is talked about a lot and many times it's almost feels like that we talk about it so much that we don't even completely understand it. Um, Have you ever been around someone that they just kind of throw out terms and you're like, I don't think you know what that means, right? Like um, my favorite is someone who uses some sort of big word. And uh, um, that's not in context. It's not the way that it should. Baylor has this thing that she does our little girl who's she's six years old, she'll say a big word every now and then what was the word she said the other day? Minutia, yeah. She said minutia the other day, but it was in the completely wrong context. Like it was, and so she said, oh, it's all about the minutia or something calm down and listen to the minutiae, all right, which if you really hear the word minutia, it does sound like something that a yoga instructor would say, all right, but she said, calm down and listen to the minutia, and it, and it almost sometimes feels like that's the way we talk about faith, like, like we just kind of throw it out there, like, oh, you got to have faith, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? We say things like, well, you got to have, you have to come to Jesus in faith, okay, what does that look like? In Romans chapter number four, in the midst of all of its wording, in the midst of all of its depth, what it shows us is the faith that is required for the gospel, the faith that comes as a result of the gospel. And in this passage, what you see, is you see Paul writing to these Roman Christians and to really the church at Rome abroad, and what he's teaching them is that faith is required for the gospel, but he also gives us one of the most beautiful definitions of faith, I believe, that's found in scripture. He starts, first of all, with this thought and this, this phrase or this wording is not original with me. I heard another pastor refer to this passage uh, and Abraham's involvement in it as this, and I could not come up with another word, but you see the template of faith, the template of faith. What Paul does is he uses someone that they would recognize, someone that they would revere to say, this is what faith should look like in your life. He uses someone like Abraham. Here's what you have to understand about someone like Abraham. Abraham when his name was mentioned to the Jewish people it was almost like everybody stood at attention like oh boy we're getting ready to talk about Abraham. I would like to come up with a common analogy of how someone in our world like that but I think that we're too divided in the world to have someone that we all just say like oh he's a he's a great person. I mean welcome to the world of Conspiracy theories, WikiLeaks, and whatever else. All right, like we don't have anybody that we agree on. As soon as you think that you do, someone else is out there saying like, "Well, no, this person did that." So unfortunately, we don't have anybody like that in our world. But that is the person. That is the way that Abraham was to these Jewish people. So as soon as that he says Abraham, it's like all of them are like, "Oh, he's treading on thin ice if he's getting ready to talk about if he's getting ready to downgrade Abraham." But here's what he does: he uses the person of Abraham, these Jewish people's understanding of the Old Testament and even Old Testament scripture itself to show them that the faith that they need in the gospel looks the exact same way as the faith of Abraham. He goes so far to say this that he says that they almost believed that they were were guaranteed salvation because of just being a Jew because of being a part of Israel's race, they thought that they had already, get, had already gotten salvation, but then he goes as far to say this. He says, before Abraham had ever even received the command of circumcision or the promise of God, he was already obedient and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And here's what you have to understand. While it does not take obedience to the law, please do not miss this. While it does not take obedience to the law, to receive salvation, it does take an obedient faith, meaning for you and I as Christians, I want, to, I want to illustrate this, for you and I as Christians or for even people who are not saved, sometimes we assume that salvation looks like, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to follow this law and i have got to take this step and I've got to act like this, I've got to talk like this, I've got to walk like this, I've got to live like this, that's what we think that salvation looks like, okay? Well, I'm being obedient to all of these works, to all of this law, when truthfully what it looks like is this. It is one step in faith saying, Lord, I believe. That's where faith comes from. That's where the obedience of salvation comes from. That is where we begin when it comes to salvation. So first of all, you see the template of faith in uh, Abraham's life. But then secondly, You see the faith of everyone. You see the faith of everyone. I love this. You see this in verses 11 down through verse number 13. It says, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being circumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. So what he does is he begins to lean on the fact that Abraham is called the father of many nations, not just one nation. And he says his salvation, his righteousness is what makes him the father of all nations. He says in the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father, Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised for the promise that he should be the heir of the world. Listen to this was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. He said, Abraham did not receive this promise because of all of his goodness, because of all of his, it was because of his faith. So you see the faith of everyone. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see two groups of people. There are those with works and those without works. Romans 4 shoots a hole in every works-based salvation belief. And here's why. If anyone could have earned their way into heaven, it was Abraham. He could have said, look at what I've done. Look at what I left behind. Look at all the promise that God has given to me. Look, 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 look at this. Look at this list of things. But what he chose to say and what God said about him was that his righteousness, his faith, his belief in God was what counted to him for Righteousness. And so there's two groups of people. There are those who come to God and say, look at what I've done. You can save me now. And then there's those who come and they say, I have nothing to show for myself. Please save me. And here's what salvation looks like. Salvation is us coming to God, whether we have the list of things that we have done or an empty list of things that we have not done and saying, God, it's all up to you. I want you to think about something for just a second. I know it's hot in here. I can promise you that there's no one else hotter than the guy who's standing under these lights, all right? But I want you to think about something for just a second, okay? If God were to save humanity, if God was a loving God, if he was a good God, if he were going to save humanity, do you think that he would have made it dependent upon us or dependent upon him you see sometimes we have a tendency in 2023 to say well look at how far we've come i mean we can we have ai now we have this we've created this look at how well we manage our finances look at how how well we live our lives look at how well we take care of our bodies look 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 at all of the things that we are capable of and please watch this It does not matter how much man progresses in every other area of life, we will never progress to the point of being able to take care of our own sin. We will never get to the point as human beings, even though we can develop things that we would have never thought humanly possible, we will never come to the point of being able to take care of the sin problem in our own life. And here's what I firmly believe. I believe to a certain extent, all of the things that we have gotten better at are almost filler to the point, to the fact that we cannot take care of what the biggest problem in our life is. We get better at taking care of our bodies because, well, we don't want to die. We get better at taking care of our finances because we want joy and happiness and peace and all things that comes with it. We get better at taking care of our world because, well, it's the only one we've been given, all right? Everybody's heard that, okay? I'm not saying to, to be wasteful or any of those other things, but here's what I'm saying. We get better at all of those things because we're almost avoiding the truth that we can't take care of our sin. We've got to have a better world. We've got to have a better body. We've got to have better finances. We've got to have better education. We've got to have all of these better things because we can't deal with the root problem, and that is the fact that we come before God and we have nothing to show for ourselves. And so we have to believe in Christ and in Christ alone. And so there's the faith of everyone, and he goes into detail and he says, this isn't just a faith that is required for you as a Jew. It's a faith that is required for everyone. And then the last thought that I want you to see is this. I want you to see the characteristics of faith. If you listen to nothing else, I want to fly through these because I know that you don't have a handout. I know that it's hot in here. I know that it's weirdly lit and that you are really close to me is what really I'm feeling the most uncomfortable about. All right, um, But the characteristics of faith. All right, I want you to see the definition and really the process that he describes faith in this passage. Because I believe that it gives us an understanding of faith, like what we we do not understand when we just say, you got to have faith. What does that mean and what does that look like? First of all, see this. Faith begins with a calling. Faith begins with a calling. I want you to look at verse number 17. It says, Who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Faith begins with a calling. Calleth those things which be not as they were. Did you know that when you walked into this building, when you wake up tomorrow morning, when you look back at your week, that Jesus is calling you even though you're not where you need to be? Those things which be not as as though they were. Jesus calls to people who don't have their act together. And please don't mistake this, okay? Sometimes in modern day Christianity, we use the grace of God as an excuse to stay where we were rather than to change where we are. Okay, that's not what I'm teaching. But here's what I am saying. Jesus Christ is a caller of people who don't have it together. You want a proof text of that? Look at the disciples. Look at who he ha- who were the 12 that he chose to follow him. Jesus could have chosen anybody. Jesus Jesus could have called anybody and yet he chose 12 people who Three of them were fishermen. They were the lowlifes of that, of that area. They, they were not prominent people. He didn't call rich. He didn't call religious people. He called people to him who wanted to see their lives changed, and that's what he got. And your faith begins with a calling, and please listen to this. The reason why I bring this in, I almost left this point out, but the reason why I bring this in is, is because when we say, have faith, here's what we have to understand the step of faith that Jesus Christ calls us to make for salvation and really any other area in the Christian life is one that he has call, is calling us to. If I tell my son or daughter or daughters, plural, okay, if I tell them to jump, do you know what gives them the faith to jump? It's because of who's telling them to. I could bring, they recognize some of you. Baylor, I joked with her last week. She came into the Q&A and she was like, Dad, I see some people that I don't know yet. And so she asked about Kyle and she asked about, they keep up with you guys. They know you, but please listen to this. Even to the extent that they might know your name, if you're standing there and you're saying, jump, trust me, I can catch you. Even though they know you, that trust has not been developed, right? And the important part of understanding faith is that we have to understand who's telling us to come, who's telling us to jump, who's telling us to take that step. Because if it's just any old Joe who's saying, have faith, come to me, follow me, then that's not a faith that is worth testing. But because it is Jesus Christ whose life has been perfect, who gave us his example, who lived amongst us, who taught us things out of Scripture, who did miracles, there is an object of our faith that we we can say it's worth jumping for. So faith begins with a calling, but then secondly, faith has hope when there is none. Faith has hope when there is none. I want you to see this in verse number uh, 18. Who against hope believed in hope. Can I get you to take your Bible and to just mark that to smithereens? Highlight it, underline it, square it, circle it, whatever you want to do. Because right now there is a world who has no hope. And do you know what faith does? Faith takes moments in our lives and moments in our world where there is no hope and it says, you can have hope. It says this, Who against hope believed that there was hope. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Abraham had everything stacked up against him. Abraham was old. No one else in the world, think about this, no one else in human history had received a promise like Abraham. And Abraham's just supposed to be like, yep, I I believe that. Who against hope believed in hope. And you want a test of your faith? Put yourself in a hopeless situation and see if you can have hope in it. Because that is the testament of faith. So faith has hope when there is none. Thirdly, faith does not consider self. He says this, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, and neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But then lastly is this, faith, believes God, keeps his promises. I believe I'm probably speaking to a room full of people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you have not, Romans chapter number 4 is for you. Please do not walk out of this classroom or out of this church building without accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. But do you know what faith does? When you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're not placing your faith and trust in a historical fact. You're placing your faith and trust in what Jesus did on that cross is actually what saves you. There are plenty of people in this world who believe in the historical truth of Jesus and yet have not believed him for the spiritual faith that is needed for salvation. And I want you to listen to this. If I'm speaking to Christians, sometimes we have bigger faith for salvation than we do for life. And if the same God who promises to save you calls you to do something, that template of faith of Abraham of saying, yeah, I'll pack up and go to a country that I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll believe that God is able to make me the father of many nations. Yeah, I'll, I'll sacrifice my only son who's supposed to, who my seed is supposed to go through. Yeah, I'll do that. Why? Because I believe that the God who saves me is also the God that I can be faithful and follow. Don't let your faith stop at salvation. Can I close with one question? Give me 30 seconds. Here's one question that has challenged me this week from this passage. When was the last time you practiced your faith? When was the last time you practiced or tested your faith? Over the last couple of months, I've had like some back issue stuff, and you guys that have been here, you're, you're well aware of that. What I've found is that it has made me very weak, okay? Like it is just, it, it is, Made me very like I'll do stuff that I used to do, and I'm like, oh, all right, that's a little, that's a little sore, that's a little weak, and it's because I haven't tested it, I haven't practiced it, I haven't strengthened it. And there's many of you that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior maybe when you were eight years old, maybe you're in 15 years old, maybe when you were 20 years old as a college student, you you accepted Christ as your Savior recently, whatever it may be. But if that's the only time that you worked out your faith, please listen to this. Your faith is getting weaker. And faith is the object of things not seen. Faith is invisible, but it has very visible effects. And if you have not tested your faith, on the promises of God. Maybe it's believing that he'll answer a prayer. Maybe it's believing that he'll save a loved one. Maybe it's believing that he can solve a health issue. Maybe it's believing for hope in a hopeless situation. But if you have not tested it, you have not worked at it, you have not once again worked out your faith, then it grows weak. And so here's the challenge. First and foremost, if you're here today and you have not accepted Christ as your savior, let's start with that faith. But secondly, if you're here today and you say, I believed in Christ, I have the faith that like I've accepted Christ as my Savior, then secondly, do something this week to test your faith. Don't let your faith that saved you get weak and cold and old because you didn't work it out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. We'll be done.
0: Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.